chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast, presented by Robbins Motor Company, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Kansas State returns home following a 30-27 victory at Texas Tech last Saturday for the final regular season game of the year as the Wildcats play host to number 23 Iowa State on senior night at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. The game, which kicks at 6 p.m., will air on FS1, and the contest can be heard across the 39-station K-State Sports Network with Wyatt Thompson, Stan Weber, and our buddy Matt Walters on the call. K-State is bowl eligible under first-year head coach Chris Kleiman and is looking to improve upon its bowl position with 7-4 and four and 4-4 four and four records. Welcome to the GoPowerCat.com PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Iowa State leads this all-time series 50-48-4, but K-State has won 10 of the last 11 meetings and is 24-5 in the last 29 meetings between the programs in a series now known as Farmageddon. K-State saw a 10-game winning streak over the Cyclones come to an end last year in Ames in a 42-38 come-from-behind ISU victory. It was Iowa State's first victory since a 31-20 win in Ames in 2007. And the Wildcats have won each of their last six home matchups against Iowa State, a streak that dates back to 2006. Iowa State enters the game with a 7-4 overall record and is 5-3 in Big 12 play. All four of Iowa State's losses have been by 7 points or less. Quarterback Brock Purdy leads the offense with 3,575 passing yards and 26 touchdowns, while receivers DeShante Jones and LaMichael Petaway, along with tight end Charlie Kohler, are his favorite targets. True freshman Brees Hall, a Wichita product, leads the team with 783 rushing yards and eight touchdowns, while Purdy is second on the team with 268 yards on the ground and eight TDs. On defense, Iowa State ranks 28th nationally against the run and is number 50 in total defense. Kansas City native linebacker Marcel Spears leads the Cyclones with 80 tackles. Both of these teams are coming off victories last week to move to 7-4 and four overall, but while it wasn't a work of art following two close losses, Climate's Wildcats found the reward of victory by beating Texas Tech. It's part of that process that you don't want to 
just put so much pressure on the guys to say, man, you have to win. You know, that, that, then they're never going to play very good. I, I've, I've seen that before where somebody says, you have to win this game. Typically you don't because you're putting all that undue pressure on themselves. It's just, I think, reassuring those guys of what we're seeing as coaches and what I'm seeing overall because I, I go to both ends on, on practice, offense and defense, that I do see really good progress and we are getting better that, guys, it, it's going to come out and, and show itself some Saturday. I just know it is, and it, and it has. You guys have seen that as well as I have when we, were, when we won a few of them in a row there, uh, that to stay the course and continue to believe. And I think when you, when you have adversity and you lose a game or lose a game or two like we did in a row, I think the thing that first thing that goes is your confidence and belief. Like, come on, can we really do this? And, and us as coaches continuing to harp on, yeah, guys, we're not that far away and continue to believe. And uh, uh, I just really enjoyed the, the long weekend we had with those guys. Probably the best thing we had was a 6 o'clock game because it allowed us more time with those guys to go through walkthrough, to go through notes and stuff at the hotel on Saturday uh, and, and get them truly believing that, hey, we were going to find a way. That was Coach Chris Kleiman discussing how important it was for his team to get over the hump and finally win a close game after losing two in a row. Kansas State did move to 7-4 and four with that win over Texas Tech, and a bigger challenge awaits this weekend as the Iowa State Cyclones roar into town for Farmageddon, my favorite name of a game series in the country. Of course, I don't know that many names. like The Egg Bowl, stupid, whatever. We're not going to discuss like the it. Egg Bowl. We're not going to discuss that. This is the Go Powercat Roundtable Session. Ryan Wallace, Rowdy Gates, and D. Scott Fritchin join us now on the Powercat Pregame Podcast. Wally, that game last week, last Saturday, was the mirror image of the West Virginia loss. K-State goes on the road. They lose most statistical categories except for turnovers and get the big pick at the end of the game that helps seal it away. And Texas Tech had to be going to their locker room trying to figure out how the heck they lost that game. But it all kind of came around for K-State, and they got the win. Yeah, I mean, they made the key plays that that um, were just kind of big momentum shifting and also obviously impacted the scoreboard most. And, and you mentioned the, the two turnovers, uh, the picks from Patton and Goolsby, especially Goolsby's, was just absolutely enormous for the Wildcats. And then it goes without saying, you know, what uh, Joshua Youngblood was able to do, returning the kick for a TD. There, That was, you know, another area, asset of the game that um, K-State was able to win, even if it wasn't, um, you know, in passing yards or rushing yards or what have you. Uh, they won kind of the minor areas, and that was enough to propel them. I think the other thing that um, was big for this team that they've been needing and we've been talking about a lot was being able to get a couple big plays. You know, Wykeen Gill gets 70 yards off two catches. Sebastian Taylor gets 74 yards off three catches and a score. They were able to kind of have some bang um, with uh, this offense that has been missing the last couple of weeks. So even though they, they weren't able to churn up yards, even though they might not have been able to stop Texas Tech on the defensive side, it were some of these minor areas that they were able to win that ended up being real big on the scoreboard. Seven wins, Riley. A couple of months ago, we said, heck yeah, we'll take that right now. And now that you got seven wins, you're like, should be eight. 
Now let's go get the next one. It's just kind of funny. You get greedy. Fans have gotten greedy. Fans, I've heard fans complaining that they only have seven wins. I'm like, what is going on? Get some perspective here. It's really remarkable what K-State's done, even though it hasn't been perfect. Well, you can sit here and play. You know, people want to say, oh, it should have been 9-3. and three. You shouldn't have lost to West Virginia. Then you'd have a chance to go 9-3, and three. and that makes sense. But, you know, you, you look at it and the Oklahoma game, yeah, you played better, but, you know, that wasn't one you were expected to win. So, I mean, you kind of trade them in and out. You know, you're supposed to beat West Virginia. You're supposed to lose to Oklahoma. It just kind of kind of goes that way as it as it falls. But you know, I before the season, I I said seven and five, and I felt like I was being overly optimistic. You know, I, I think that maybe I was probably giving them a little bit too much credit. Six and six seemed very reasonable, and so I think it's it's remarkable that K State has a chance to go eight and four here this weekend. Um, I think as a fan, even if you lose on if you lose on Saturday, you're going to be disappointed. Obviously, um, you know you had high expectations. You don't want to lose senior day at, uh, against a, a new rival or not a new rival, but you know a, a developing a, a, one, yeah, yeah. A developing rivalry. So you want to win that game. But even if you finish seven and five, I mean that's still a remarkable first season for Chris Kleiman, and and I think he's shown um, that that what he's doing in this program once he gets his players in here and, and runs the system the way he wants to seven eight nine win seasons can kind of become the expectation chris Kleiman is now the winningest coach first year coach in k-state history which to put it in context is kind of like naming me the best looking guy at the ugly dude convention <laughs> i mean there just hasn't been much competition but fritch these seven wins have been impressive for a first year coach he's the winningest first year coach in the conference and there's four of them so he's just really climbing up in those charts Yeah, and I wrote these down just to make sure I had them correct. Kleiman becomes just the fifth first-time FBS head coach in Big 12 history to inherit a team coming off a losing record and win at least seven games this first season. I think that's big. Uh, Kleiman also has the second-most victories by a first-time Power 5 head coach in 2019, trailing only Ryan Day, who's 11-0 at Ohio State in his first year as a head coach. And get this, I mean, let's just say it again. He's the only Big 12 hire in 2019 who arrived without any prior FBS experience. And uh, I think that's big. I think that second, the second stat you mentioned there among all FBS first years, you know, that's that's really impressive considering how crazy the coaching carousel was last year. The first guy that comes to mind, you know, you got Mac Brown at North Carolina. I mean, a, a, a power in the name of college football kind of like that and, and here's Chris Kleiman at Kansas State and Harry in a 5-7 and seven team and, and doing this. It, it, it has been really impressive. Well, Iowa State is also 7-4 and four this season, which they probably see as a little bit of a disappointment. I think they thought they'd probably be contending for a spot in the Big 12 championship game. Hasn't worked out that way, Ryan Wallace, but man, they got a good quarterback. Brock Purdy can sling it around when he gets going. He leads the Big 12 in passing per game average. He's just a very efficient quarterback. He's only a sophomore. He's going to be taunting people in this conference for a long, long time. But it all starts on offense with Brock Purdy. But that's not the only weapon they have. No, not at all. And, I mean, this is a – don't let the record fool you. This is a scary, good Iowa State team. Um, 11 points uh, total uh, in their four losses. So that tells you just how the margin of of error that it has kind of clipped them in the four losses. And, And all the teams that they've actually lost to, are ranked in the current uh, college football playoff poll. Um, so they're not bad losses by any means either. But, you know, you mentioned the offense. Um, 
you know, no David Montgomery this year, no Hakeem Butler. And in a way, this Iowa State offense is almost better um, because they're more balanced. Um, you can't really kind of cut ahead off and, and watch them kind of flounder at all because they have uh, the pieces around Brock Purdy that have made him uh, look incredibly good this year, completing 67% of his passes. Uh, really, they spread the ball around on offense from a um, from a rece- uh, passing point of view. Deshante Jones, Tariq Milton, Lamichael Petaway, all three of those receivers have over 600 yards, uh, as well as Charlie Kohler, who's arguably one of the best tight ends in the country. He also has over 600 yards. Um, so that's four receivers with over 600 yards. K-State doesn't have one receiver with over 600 yards. Um, and then on top of that, they have a freshman who happens to be from Wichita Northwest in Brees Hall um, that has now become their leading rusher on the season. He kind of took over midway through the year, uh, and he's really started to get that, that ground game going and, again, has just brought better balance to this offense. Um, this is going to be a strong test for K-State, probably debatably the strongest test that K-State's faced since the Oklahoma game. I agree. Riley Gates. Purdy's good. They're going to have to put a lot of pressure on this kid to to uh, get him into situations that makes him make him uncomfortable. But he's he's seen a lot. He, he kind of knows his way around the football field. Well, yeah, you know, I think last year when you're a freshman and you've got a guy like you know Hakeem Butler to to throw to, you kind of can get settled in a little bit easier to yeah. the game. You've got that option, and then one of us could have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you could have thrown a few fifty-fifty balls up to him, Fitz. But uh, I, yeah, and then he gets to settle in here. Um, you know, Wally just listed off all the the options he has to throw to now, and then the, the biggest thing that I think really helps him is just having that running attack with Brees Hall. I mean, it's not just like a oh, it's kind of there type of thing. I mean, it's it's there. Brees Hall is a force. Um, and, yeah, you've you've got to come out and you've got to rattle him. What an opportunity for guys like Trey Deshaun, Jordan Mitty, Reggie Walker to, to end their uh, careers at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Last time you're going to play on your home field, go out, get after that quarterback, make him uncomfortable because – that's what's going to throw this offense off. He's he's statistically, you know, at, at the top of the Big Twelve in terms of of passing yardage, and I think that it's it's going to go a long way if you can get in there and, and kind of rattle his cage a little bit, make them uncomfortable, and and uh, throw Iowa State off of its game. Only a sophomore, D. Scott. It's not fair. The kid's really good. He's already set season records with 3,575 passing yards and 26 touchdown passes. Guys, he's either broke or tied 18 school records in just a sophomore season, which is incredible. Number four in the FBS, averaging 325 passing yards per game, which is incredible as well. It just, uh, he, he hurts you different ways. He's one of three players in the nation with at least 25 touchdown passes and eight rushing touchdowns. So he can do it on the ground as well. Before we started, we were looking at third down conversions. I find this interesting, Ryan Wallace. This is not the one we discussed, but they only convert 38.7% of their third down conversions. Iowa State's not good on third down, and Kansas State's defense is exceptionally good on on third down. They lead the Big 12 and 26.9. It would It would seem to me getting Iowa State into third and long might be the huge advantage here for Kansas State, really make them work for it on third down. With Iowa State, it's all about balance. You know, they remind me a little bit from an offensive standpoint uh, of Baylor. And so, you know, they don't have a Mims out there at receiver, but, you know, having 
the ability to run and throw and keep a defense off balance um, is kind of their bread and butter. And so I think probably some of those stats might go back to um, before Brees Hall started getting this, this Iowa State ground game in a rhythm because the last, I think, three games they've had over 100 yards rushing. So um, I would be curious to see how much their problems on third down were before Brees Hall um, really started to take over. But um, the other thing, like you were mentioning, is I think third and long is also um, going to be key for Kansas State because up front, um, Iowa State has an offensive line that returns four starters. Um, so it's very uh, similar to um, the type of experience that K-State has on its offensive line. And so when you allow um, those big nasties to get in third and short situations, they have the experience. Um, they have the mindset that they're going to get it done. Um, you have to be able um, to try and penetrate and pressure that offensive line, which, again, you know, we talk about all the receivers and, and the, the talent around Brock Purdy. Um, some of that talent um, and a lot of that talent and the reason why he's been so good um, begins and, and ends up front with that offensive line. So you can't let them get in, in third and short situations, um, not only because Purdy can hurt you, but also because that offensive line can – um, really make you pay in the ground game, too. But third down is K-State's down, Fritch. It really is. It's awesome. This K-State defense is on pace to finish. It's just the fifth Big 12 defense in history to allow under 30% on third down conversions, which is incredible. And also at home, K-State is giving up just 15 of 60 third down conversions in six home games this season. We talked about this, Riley Gates, K-State wants to run the ball. Iowa State doesn't let you run the ball. They are currently second in the Big 12 in rushing defense, only giving up 121 yards a game on the ground. I feel like if Kansas State can go for 150, it's been a giant success based on the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, get to know the name Ray Lima. I mean, I think he's going to be in there causing a lot of havoc. We know, I mean, we've talked at length about um, K-State's struggles with facing a three-down front, and that's what this is going to be again. You know, that was kind of something that Adam Holtorf, Scott France, talked to us about uh, on Tuesday at the, at the press conference, said, you know, it's going to be another challenge with, with facing a front like that. And, you know, even even when K-State hasn't faced a three-man front in the last few weeks, they just have struggled to run the ball. I mean, ever since that Kansas game, the running game just hasn't been there all that much. At times, they've sprung off some nice runs, but it hasn't been as consistent as it was in the early parts of the season. But that I, I, it's in a game like this where you cannot afford to have a bad running game. I mean, Iowa State will take that away and force you to beat you in the air, and I think Skylar Thompson's playing well right now. I think the receivers are definitely um, turning a corner as we enter the final parts of this season, but I don't think K-State's passing game is good enough to beat Iowa State all by itself. They've got to get a ground game established somehow. And I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know what formation it's going to be. You know, maybe they go with with the diamond thing again. Maybe they, you know, ride Jordan Brown a lot. Whatever it's going to be, something isn't working what they've done the last few weeks. They've got to find something that's going to be able to beat this Iowa State defense or it's going to be a long Saturday. Ryan Wallace, you primarily cover football recruiting for Go Power Cat. And Iowa State's turned into a little problem for Kansas State on the recruiting trail, haven't they? They're kind of the Raiders at the Northern Gate. They've been creeping into Kansas and stealing some pretty good players. And I feel like this game can go a long way towards Chris Kleiman maybe wrestling a little more attention away from the Cyclones with in-state prospects because Matt Campbell's doing a hell of a job in the state of Kansas. 
Yeah, and I mean, not even just the state of Kansas, but also just key areas that Kansas State has also tried to hit. Um, you know, you, just going through their depth chart, whether it's offense or defense, you see a, a couple of different names that jump out from a recruiting standpoint of guys that K-State had some serious interest. You know, their left tackle, Julian Good-Jones, is now a senior. He was a guy that I can remember back when Kansas State was very interested in and would have loved to have had on their offensive line. Defensively, Ray Lima was a guy that I know that they um, had interest in. Zach Peterson is a defensive end that is kind of James Lynch-ish and, and Wyatt Hubert-esque um, in just his build and, and his physicality as a defensive end. He had a K-State offer. Marcel Spears, you mentioned Kansas. Yep. He's an Olathe North product. And coming into this game, um, the most career uh, starts of his Iowa State defense with 37. Um, and then on the back end, um, guys that maybe not necessarily Kansas State has targeted, but it's an area that Chris Kleiman has hit, started to hit pretty hard, and that's Florida. Matt Campbell and, and his guys have done a really good job of identifying skill position players, whether it's wide receivers or corners, defensive backs from Florida, and bringing kind of that speed to aim. So, absolutely. Um, th these two teams. Um, even though their DNA is a little different and what they want to do offensively, defensively they're they're eerily similar and they're just preaching that same kind of blue collar, bring your lunch pail, be the more physical team. And so if Kansas State can come out and, and kind of get back on track in this rivalry game, it's definitely going to help in recruiting. He said the word right there rivalry game. Some might argue this is not a rivalry game, but it certainly has developed into one in my book. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, I think it has. I think all you got to do is ask any K-State fan on the street what they think about this game this week, and they want to win this one probably worse than they wanted to win the KU game. I mean, that's what, hap what happened to K-State KU football as of right now is kind of what happened to K-State KU basketball right. there where when the basketball program was kind of struggling. And it all got focused on Missouri. Yeah, and and that's just because KU football struggling. I'm sure if KU gets it going again in football, it'll kind of shift back that way. But just the way that Farmageddon has gone over the last few years, I mean, it's definitely started to build up that way. Recruiting obviously has had a lot to do with that too. You've seen some K-State targets, both football and basketball, I might add, you know, starting to go to, to Iowa State a little bit, too. So it's getting really interesting. Like I said, all you got to do is ask somebody what they think, and they, they really want to beat Iowa State. There's so much controversy, you know, oh, that was a holding call on the deep pass, and oh, you know, we should have beat you in 2015. It, it's so much just this back and forth, and it's a really exciting game, I think. Um, and Matt Campbell being at Iowa State, resurrecting that program, getting it going once again, I think that's made it all the better because now it's a, a rivalry of two programs that, that know how to win football games and they just don't like each other's fan bases. <laughs> and, Fritz, they don't just beat each other. They tear each other's hearts out and stomp on it. Iowa State <laughs> got revenge on K-State last year with a rally. K-State scored at the final buzzer, basically, two years in a row at home, two games in a row at home. Man, this is a fun series. It's unbelievable. It's so competitive. K-State's outscored Iowa State by an average score of 31-25 to 25 over the last 11 years. That's incredible. Ten of the last 11 meetings have been decided by single digits. And as Wyatt Hubert pointed out on Tuesday to me, that K-State hasn't lost to Iowa State Manhattan in the last 15 years, which is pretty incredible as well. The last two games, of course, Manhattan were decided by a total of four points. <laughs> Nothing that happens on Saturday is going to put Bill Snyder in a bowl game in his last year, but wouldn't it kind of feel nice to beat Iowa State 
make them finish seven and five the year they were supposed to contend in the Big 12 one year after what happened in Ames last year? It really would be remarkable to kind of finish off the Cyclones. They've had a frustrating year, but Ryan Wallace is K-State capable of delivering that knockout punch to the Cyclones and get this win. Uh, off the cuff, I want to say no. I just think this is a very, very difficult matchup for Kansas State. However, um, I think the one thing K-State has going for themselves is the fact that it is senior day and, and having so many um, players from Kansas, representing Kansas, that obviously will have a lot of family in town and just having the number of seniors um, that are starters on this team and, and that are impact players for this team, I think there's going to be a lot of emotion in this one. And so I think you kind of throw records out a little bit. Um, and, and I could definitely see um, this going down, like, like D. Scott was saying, to another kind of single-digit game. But here's two quick kind of points, kind of a pro and con for Iowa State um, that'll be interesting to watch on Saturday. If you're Kansas State, one thing that they need to do, given that it's senior day and you have some emotion, is try and jump out uh, on Iowa State quickly like they did against Oklahoma because Iowa State is the only team uh, to score 20 points four times in the fourth quarter this season. They are a late surging team. So you have to be ready if you've got a close game heading into the fourth quarter because they seem to find their second win. But the con to that is Iowa State's field goals this year um, have not exactly been steady or consistent. Only 13 of 19, um, which doesn't sound all that bad, but uh, in the grand scheme of things in Big 12 statistics, um, they're on the lower end of accuracy when it comes to field goals. So Although they are good in the fourth quarter, if it comes down to putting the game on the foot of their kicker, I think if you're Kansas State, you feel pretty good about it. So, again, senior day is going to be big, but it'll only be big if they can get out to an early advantage. Well, he's Ryan Wallace. That's Riley Gates, and that's D. Scott Fritchen. And that was your roundtable session from GoPowerCat.com. And we're going to bring in Alex Halstead from our Iowa State affiliate on the 24-7 Sports Network in just a bit. But I asked Chris Kleiman about something Ryan Wallace brought up earlier in the roundtable. This Iowa State team doesn't really look like a 7-4 and four team. Four losses, total of 11 points. They're better than what you may think. They've lost a couple of close games that I, that I know of. I, I, remember, I remember watching the Baylor game or the end of the Baylor game. They had a chance to win, and I think we, we got home in time one time to see the end of the Oklahoma game. So they're always in games, but it's an extremely well-coached football team. Uh, Matt Campbell does a phenomenal job uh, with the players, and his staff does a great job. So much respect for Matt. And the players believe and buy into what what they're being taught. And they defensively, they're just so sound. They don't miss fits. They run to the football extremely well. They're physical. And then offensively, I, I'm just so impressed with Brock Purdy. I think he's a phenomenal football player that uh, I love watching as we watch tape and stuff. I'm not going to probably like watching him live as much. But he's a fun guy to watch because he just makes plays all over the field. That was Coach Chris Kleiman talking about the Iowa State Cyclones. And now to get a more in-depth look at Kansas State's opponent this Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, we bring in Alex Halstead from Cyclone Alert, our affiliate on the 24-7 Sports Network. Alex, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing good. Good to be on with you. Yeah, I'm, I'll be making the trip uh, awesome. to Manhattan this weekend. Uh, excited to get down there again. Uh, it's always, uh, uh, it's not a too bad of a drive. Uh, kind of wish it was a 2.30 game so I could make the round trip, but I might have to find a place to stay with this 6 p.m. game. Yeah, we've got a bed available. You're always welcome at the Fitzgerald 24-7 house. I, I tell you what, I can't figure out Iowa State, and I feel like I've said that about almost every opponent Kansas State has played this season in this conference. This has been a really good season for Iowa State and yet not a good season for Iowa State. This is a good football team, and yet that 7-4 and four record is what they are. It's hard to explain Iowa State. Yeah, I think I think you're kind of saying what the fans probably feel right now. You know, Iowa State goes into the the, the season, picked third in the Big 12 in the in the preseason poll, and a lot of expectations or a lot of hope and I guess hype that th- this team could make the Big 12 title game, that they could be there with uh, Oklahoma and Texas, uh, kind of at the, the preseason thought that they could be there, and they've had the type of season where they could be there. You know, you look at those four losses that you mentioned; they've been by 11 combined points. They lost by uh, one point in the non-conference to Iowa. They open Big 12 play with a two-point loss to Baylor. Uh, they lose by a point uh, to Oklahoma. Then they had a pick six, basically loss uh, to Oklahoma State. You know, there's one, one or two plays in pretty much every game that could flip those. And I think that's kind of the frustrating thing for fans right now is that Iowa State is seven and four, uh, but those four losses by 11 points, a couple of those go their way, and they're maybe in that Big 12 title game instead. You know, they'll be playing Kansas State this weekend, hoping that they can finish third in the conference. Yeah, it's intriguing. We talk about those four losses by 11 points, and yet they've won some very close games. Maybe the score against Kansas doesn't fully reflect it, but they were in a fight, an unexpected fight in the fourth quarter. Uh, Northern Iowa, of course, was a, a tussle. This team just hasn't kicked it into that next gear. The gear, I think, that all of us uh, thought that they would find this year and really be a good team. I thought Iowa State could well push Oklahoma and Texas this season, and and they haven't. And, of course, Texas hasn't pushed Texas this season. What has gone wrong exactly for the Cyclones? Well, I think the thing Matt Campbell mentioned over the weekend, you know, after the the closer than expected game against Kansas was that – you know, they just haven't played four complete quarters. You know, there's been times where they've played really well for two, three quarters, uh, but there's been that quarter that's maybe gotten away from them. You, I think the Kansas game is probably a, a good example. That that game, I think at halftime was, you know, 14 to nine or whatever. And, and there were possessions in that first half where it probably should have been, you know, 21, 24 to nine. And, and they just never kind of put it together. They played really well in fourth quarters. They have four fourth quarters this year where they scored 20 plus points. Um, and that's kind of been the reason that they were back in that Baylor game game after being down 20 to nothing. It's the reason that uh, they were two-point conversion away from upsetting Oklahoma and Norman uh, after being down 21 points. You know, they've, they've really played well later in games, uh, but they've gotten off to some slow starts at times, and they haven't really put it together all at the same time. But, um, you know, it's a team that, you know, according to the kind of the computers, you know, SP+, plus, ESPN, FPI, really likes them in terms of what they've done. Top 25 team in, in those categories. Uh, but they've maybe the reason that they're kind of just still a step away from being in that big 12 title game type scenario uh, is they haven't really put it all together. And, and I think some of that's their young team. You know, Brees Hall is a true freshman. Brock Purdy is a true sophomore. Some of the receivers are still young. And so they're still trying to kind of work through some of that. And they're starting to do it here at times. But uh, Matt Campbell said they're going into this game against Kansas State still trying to play four complete quarters. I will back up and get Brees Hall in a minute. But let me start with this softball. How good is Brock Purdy? Uh, Well, I think he's one of the best 
you know, quarterbacks in the Big 12. And that's not going out on a limb, but, you know, I think he's potentially having a better season than a Charlie Brewer, I'm seeing Mellinger type of player. I think he's right there with kind of what Charlie Brewer's done. I think, you know, there's been people who, you know, kind of wonder where Jalen Hurts stacks up. You know, Hurts is obviously a very good rusher. He's going to probably be the All-Big 12 uh, first team pick because of the combination of those two. But uh, Purdy in moments has been really, really good. You look at last week in the fourth quarter, went 10 of 10. Um, you know, he was really good in the fourth quarter against Oklahoma was the reason that they led that comeback. Um, I think he dealt with really his first struggle at the end of October. He had three interceptions, uh, career high three interceptions, one of them a pick six when it was 27 all, and they lose to Oklahoma State 34-27. Um, but at times he can be really dynamic, um, uh, not as much with his feet this year, as much as he is kind of going through his reads. I think you look last week, um, there was a play where he got to I think to his fourth or fifth read and hit Brees Hall for a touchdown. Um, and then on the kind of the game clinching, uh, touchdown. Uh, I think he got to his third read and hit Sean Shaw, their redshirt freshman uh, receiver. So he's getting deeper into reads and, and, doesn't make a ton of mistakes. I think he's got 26 touchdowns to nine interceptions, completing, you know, I think 67% of his passes. So he's pretty efficient and has been uh, probably one of the top quarterbacks uh, in the Big 12 this year. Okay. Brees Hall from Wichita, Marcel Spears from Olathe, Kansas. How important has been recruiting in what would traditionally be Kansas State areas to what Matt Campbell's trying to do? Yeah, I think it's definitely picked up under Campbell, especially. You mentioned Marcel Spears from Olathe, and, you know, that was obviously a Paul Rhodes recruit. But, you know, Brees Hall, uh, Easton Dean, um, kind of in that class together um, from from Kansas. And I think he still can try, trying to continue to go down to Kansas and Missouri, too. But uh, the Midwest has become a bigger thing for him. And, and Kansas has, you know, traditionally, you probably know better than I, but it seems like 10 to 15 Power 5 type kids, uh, maybe more. Um, that's Maybe I'm thinking what Iowa yeah, has in, in this traditional year. and. Um, there's several good kids that, there every year that you can go try to get. And, you know, it seems like more and more schools are trying to come in there, whether it's Wisconsin or Oklahoma. But that's an important area uh, for Matt Campbell. You look at Nate Shieldhouse, he's from Kansas City, so it's not quite his area. But, um, you know, he's trying to, you know, help them recruit more, especially in St. Louis, Kansas City, and, and really the entire state of Kansas. This Iowa State defense is – the worst matchup for a Kansas State offense that has struggled as of late. This is a run-first offense, or at least it's intended to be a run-first offense, and they haven't been able to run first. They've really struggled, particularly against three-man fronts, and lo and behold, that's what Iowa State's using now. How good is this Iowa State defense against the run? That's probably been their strength. I mean, you look back at the Texas game, and they were able to hold Texas to 59 rushing yards when adjusted for uh, sacks. Um, that was probably their best performance in Texas, and, and that was kind of their game plan going into the Texas game. Was you know Matt Campbell said afterwards that they knew that they probably had to try to make Texas one-dimensional, make them either pass or run, and they took away the run, you know, held them to under 60 yards rushing, and, and made them pass, and, and that worked in their favor in beating Texas at home. I would say last week against Puka Williams in Kansas, that was probably one of their worst rushing performances or rush defense defense performances of the season um you know he at times he was able to get to the outside and and that really hurt them at times and so um it's going to be interesting i think in this matchup because like you said that's what kansas state wants to do and i think Iowa State's probably coming off one of its worst rushing performances uh, that we've seen recently but you know they were really good against texas like i said they were really good against uh oklahoma state and hubbard uh i think they held him down pretty well i think he had one you know it was i think it was 50 or 60 yards uh rushing touchdown but outside of that, he really didn't didn't break off anything big, and so they've been good against a couple, uh, you know, 
teams in the top half of the Big 12, but then I think last week Puka maybe got the better of them. So I think that's going to be a big matchup this weekend. And the final topic I have for you is kind of crazy season out there. And I think the college football world right now is starved for coaching candidates. I feel like there's going to be more jobs than really good candidates, and Matt Campbell will be among those listed. I hope he stays in Ames for a long time. It's good for the conference. It's great for Iowa State. But what are your feelings on Matt Campbell probably popping up as a candidate at other places? Yeah, he's definitely already popped up. Uh, you, you see people from Arkansas throwing him out there. Obviously, Florida State is throwing him out there. That could continue. I'm sure Iowa State can probably shut it down for this cycle again if they want to next week roll out another contract extension and just kind of you know at least shut it down for this cycle. That's what it's kind of been in recent years is it pops up, they shut it down, and then it kind of can, waits until the next cycle. Um, the NFL last year was one of the big talking points. I think the, the report was that six or seven NFL teams at least requested interviews. Mm. Um, so that, so there's there's been different conversations every year. It was Tennessee, it was NFL. This year right now so far it's Arkansas and Florida State. I tend to think he stays again this year. I think Florida State would probably be more concerning of the two. But for him, I think he's pretty calculated. He's still right around 40 years old. Um, I think his birthday's actually the end of this week, might turn uh, 41. So he's still pretty young. And I think he's going to be pretty calculated because his jobs, his roots are in the Midwest. You, know, you look at right. Penn State, Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, those type of jobs, I think, are always going to intrigue him. But I think it's going to be a lot harder to entice him to go to an Arkansas. Um, and so I think he's going to be pretty calculated, knowing that you know he, he's got things. He's got Brock Purdy for two more years. He's got things kind of where you know he's won eight games in the last two years, going for eight wins in three consecutive years this weekend or in a bowl game. So I think he knows he can still do something at Iowa State. He's got a, a big $50 million sports performance center that will open in 2021. So I'm not you know naive enough to think he's going to stay at Iowa State forever, but I think he's pretty calculated where he does go if he does leave. Well, here's my hot take. I'll get you a quick reaction to this. I think as of right now, and this might be the only time in college football modern history you can say this, Iowa State's a better job than Arkansas. Certainly, Arkansas is buried in the SEC West and no side of getting out of there. I don't know who's going to drag them out of that amongst that competition. And because of Florida State's archaic facilities, Iowa State's kind of a better job. I know the upside of Florida State. I appreciate the history of Florida State. But right now, living in this moment, I think he's by far best staying in Ames. And that's crazy to think about. But that's the kind of job he's done at Iowa State. Yeah, it is crazy to think about, especially when you look back at the three years before he arrived. Paul Rhodes, they won eight games combined. They have a chance if they can beat Kansas State and win their bowl game to win more games this season than they won the three seasons before he got there. So <laughs> obviously the programs uh, come a long ways. But I think you're probably echoing the exact same things that people are saying over at the Cycle Alert message board is that, you know, first of all, you look at Arkansas and not even just the SEC, but the SEC West, they're behind Alabama. LSU, Auburn, and probably Texas A&M. And so at best, maybe that's a fifth best job there. It might be lower. And I think that's really quite a hole to to climb out of. And then, like you said, Florida State, their facilities kind of get knocked quite a bit. I think they're trying to do more there. But then they didn't even give Willie Taker two full years. And so I think those are two things that probably really stand out about both of those jobs, about why Matt Campbell maybe is more interested in staying at Iowa State and either for the long run or – you know, wait, wait several years and see what else comes along. Yeah, I can see him in the Big Ten a lot easier than I can see him in the ACCs, SEC, or Pac-12. I think he's a Big Ten guy, and he's kind of in a Big Ten region in the Big 12 by being in, in Ames. Alex Halstead, thank you very much, my friend. Thanks for joining us. 
Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, I'll see you up in the press box uh, this weekend. You bet. That will do it for the first half of our PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. After the break, our analysts are all lined up, one, two, three, and they'll break down this game on the other side. The experts from GoPowerCat.com will return with more on the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> 9 over 8. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We now send it back to the PowerCat podcast. Joining you once again, it's Tim Fitzgerald and Go PowerCat football analyst Marcus Watts. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And speaking of driving, we now catch up to Marcus Watts, our original football analyst somewhere on the roads of Kansas. Let's hope the sell signal holds up for 10 minutes. Yeah, I figure, well, I'm on okay. the interstate, so it should be good. Marcus, this has been a strange season. If you told me 7-4 and four would be the record heading into this Iowa State game, I would have said, heck yeah. And yet it feels satisfying and unsatisfying because they've missed some opportunities for an even better season. And as I told Riley earlier in the show, we just tend to get greedy, but this has been a good season for Chris Kleiman and company for the first time out. Oh, I think it's been a great season. I mean, there are two wins more than I thought that they would have this year. Uh, so I think he's done a, a, one hell of a job. And uh, what he's been able to do with this team, and I think it's probably surprising, or we, and we wish there was more, because of who the wins came against. Right. And Because I didn't pick them beating Mississippi State or Oklahoma at the beginning of the year and to get those two wins and then have, you know, some losses so like West Virginia, um, you know, Baylor was a lot better than everybody thought they were going to be this year. Oklahoma State's always a toss up game, but you have a chance to get to eight wins on Saturday. And by golly, if you can get to eight wins with a chance to, to play a bowl game and get to nine wins in your first year, um, it's pretty Heck good. of a job. Heck pretty of good. a job. It's hard to do that, picking up from a team that wasn't bowl eligible the year before, but that's exactly what Chris Kleiman and his coaching staff have accomplished with these Wildcats. It's a lot like when, you know, Coach Schneider's first retirement. Right. And how we, you know, had five wins, uh, five or four wins, I don't remember. And then we came back in Coach Prince's first year and, you know, had a seven-win season. Um, 
I think we had a better team than this team is that year. Nobody probably predicted that, but there was always that opportunity. Yep, exactly. I think uh, Kleiman has a better plan for sustaining it, and we'll see. You know, I'm a little worried about next season because they do lose some seniors, particularly along that offensive line. As much problems as that line has had, that is clearly the five best linemen on the roster because that's who plays the most. So that is a point of concern. And K-State wants to run the ball, even though that's become difficult as of late for this team because the line just isn't clicking the way we thought it would. And Iowa State is great against the run. If you're Coach Marcus Watts, do you use the run much more sparingly than you normally would want to do in this game? And you just say, heck with it, we're going to throw it and use the pass to set up the run? No, I wouldn't. I would still continue to run the ball um, because that's the makeup of your team. Uh, you come out and try to throw it, um, you know, with a, you know, Malik's, I think, going to play this weekend, but he's not 100%. Uh, you know, Dalton Schoen took a big shot last weekend. Um, I was surprised he was able to come back and, and, and play uh, the rest of the game. But you, you don't have the receivers that can, that can be like your, your running game. Right. Um, that can get open on the short routes, that can get, that can get separation, get yards after catch. Um, but it's just not something that you can sustain. And like I said last week, Skyler doesn't be throwing the ball 30, over 30 times a game. That just isn't how K-State's going to win. Now, there may be those odd games where he does, and they do win. Um, but that's not how K-State's built. Uh, so I, I think you got to come out and run the ball. And, you know, we talked about the offensive line. And something that we haven't really touched on a lot is, you know, this is a different running scheme than, you know, what Coach Schneider ran. They ran a lot of zone blocking. Um, and I don't, I don't see that as much with Coach Kleiman and their offense. They're not running as much zone. And when you're running a zone blocking scheme, you know, you pick up the guy in your zone. It's not more or less you got to go get this guy or go get that guy. Um, and I think that might be something that's affected this offensive line and they just haven't transitioned very well over to uh, so, you know, you know what would be something that wouldn't shock me is if they came out and ran some more zone. Uh, ran some more zone reads. See if that helps with this uh, offensive lineman because, you know, they haven't showed a lot of it this year. No, they haven't. They will go against another one of those dreaded three-man fronts from Iowa State, so that'll be very intriguing to see if they can handle that. They haven't handled it very well. They better get over that or everyone's just going to do it. I really think this game is about two things. One, Kansas State's ability to find offense. If you don't find offense, you're doomed in almost any game, but I just feel like against Iowa State you don't stand much chance because Brock Purdy's a problem. The kid can make plays. He might have his down moments, but he gets on a tear, and he will tear you apart, and he's done it to teams late in games quite often. This is a really good quarterback, and with a depleted secondary for the Wildcats, they expect Walter Neal back, luckily. Uh, that could be a problem for K-State. Brock Purdy's good. Yeah, he, he's a really good quarterback, and he's one of those those grinders yeah. that he's never out of it, and you always worry about it. You know, if he's got the ball last possession, you know, is he going to drive it down or – you know, the fourth quarter, they're down two touchdowns. It's still not enough because he can he can make the plays, make the throws. He's just an all-around good, solid quarterback. Uh, which with, which Iowa State team is going to show up? I mean, this team is a lot like Kansas State. Uh, you don't know which team's going to show up one week or the other. 
is going to be a team that sh- that comes and barely beats KU last week and or, or struggles with KU or like at the beginning of the year when they couldn't even score a touchdown, just had a bunch of turnovers, had some bad losses. Uh, which Iowa State's team is going to show up? Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, they got the playmakers to make the plays. A big topic in the first half of the show with – the roundtable, the guys from Go Powercat and Alex Halstead from our Iowa State 24-7 site was 7-4 and four is a disappointment for this team. They thought they were going to contend for a Big 12 championship game berth. They thought they were going to be right in there in the mix. And by losing four really close games, here they are with the exact same record as Kansas State coming into this game overall. They're 5-3 and three in the Big 12 because one of those losses is out of conference to Iowa. This has just been a weird season for a team that I do think is very good. I think they are very talented, but the record doesn't show that. And now Chris Kleiman's got to convince his team this is a really, really good opponent. And that's not coach speak, guys. This is the best team you played since Oklahoma. I would agree with that. And this, and, and Iowa State, they are the better team, I think, in this game. I think they have the – Different, you know, the different areas and positions and stuff. They are a better team than Kansas State is, um, but it is at home. It is the final game. It is Senior Day. Uh, it is a game that they match up well because they both kind of want to do the same thing. They want to establish the run game. They want a ground and pound that sets up the passing game. Um, and, and both teams can beat you with the pass uh, in certain situations. So uh, it's a it's an even match when it comes to styles of play. Uh, but I also believe that, you know, Iowa State is the better team, um, you know, hence why they're favored. Right. Uh, and should win this game, I would love for K-State to win this game. I think it's going to be very difficult for K-State in this game because Iowa State is wanting to get to eight wins as well. And a night game, you know, it's it could go either way. I think it's going to be a close game and a close battle. But if K-State can limit the mistakes – they're going to put themselves in a better opportunity uh, to win this game at the end. It, they got to cut out the boneheaded, unsportsmanlike penalties, the big 15-yard penalties. I mean, I get it. They're young. They want them to play free, but you got to play free within yourself. Right. You're yeah. not self. You got to play unselfish. This is not a team. This is not an individual sport. Um, like it is in the NFL. I think it's more about individualism in the NFL than it is team. Look, you make a tackle, get up, go to the next play. I don't need to see you flexing on the sideline. I don't need to see you be like, oh, I stopped. You know, just get up, get up, celebrate with your teams, go on to the next right. play. Right. I agree with you, man. I agree. I think Chris Kleiman and his staff might have gotten the message through with uh, following the Joshua Youngblood penalty last week, which what he did wasn't that bad, but he put the official in a position to call it. And the official called it. I think the way Kleiman had Youngblood come out, I know you weren't a big fan of that, and Youngblood apologized. But I think it put the onus on him now. The spotlight's really on me, and everyone can see it. I don't think we're going to see that this week. You would hope not. If you see it again, I, I've got some red flags going here. But if they stop that nonsense and they cut down on turnovers, they don't have turnovers in this game, K-State's going to be right there. I really believe that. Yep. I agree. Well, that is Marcus Watts, our football analyst from somewhere in the state of Kansas. We don't know, and we don't want to (laughs) know. But he's good. Thank you, Marcus.
Thanks, Fitz. And now we turn our attention to Brian Hanley, the former offensive lineman on those 97-98 Kansas State teams and our football analyst out of Texas. Brian, I'm intrigued by this game with Iowa State. I look at the Big 12 stats, the team stats. Iowa State is at or near the top of almost every major category. If it's a good category, they're right up there with the best teams, um, Oklahoma and Baylor mostly. But anyone that might be good in this or that, Iowa State's right up there with them. Everything about this Iowa State team says good team, except the 7-4 and record. They're just kind of hard to figure out. They've lost close games. They've won close games. They just don't seem to put people away or they can't get over the hump. I'm a little confused by the Cyclones. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I mean, they're a good football team. Let's let's start there. They're a really good football team. It's just uh, maybe some of the intangibles aren't where they should be because it's kind of what you said. Some of those close games, they should be able to put away, like the Iowa game. I mean, there's games they should have just won that they didn't win. And it's troubling, you know, to say the least. But, you know, if I was an Iowa State fan. So, but they're a really good football team. They've got good players. Um, they play really hard. Their coach is really good. Um, but I don't know. It, you're right. It's it's hard to figure them out. They're a young team. Brock Purdy's a true sophomore. We forget that, that he played last year as a true freshman quarterback. So his learning curve is still going up, which is a little bit scary because he's really good. I I don't know how they're going to stop Brock Purdy, but they there better be a way in that secondary for them to hold up as depleted and beat up as that secondary is. They've got to find a way to withstand the aerial assault that Brock Purdy can provide. Yeah, he's they're 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 a good team. They're definitely a good passing team. He's a good quarterback, and like you said, he is only getting better. I think he's really really good now. Uh, it's going to be a challenge. Uh, we're going to have to get to the quarterback. I think that's the way to stop them. Uh, they can run the football, too. Don't get me wrong. But we're going to have to get to the quarterback. And we're going to have to do it with our front four. We can't just rely on blitzing and those kinds of things to get there. Because that always leaves you exposed on the backside. And we just have to have more. We get a little bit of it, but we have to have more from our front four. Got to have more. Uh, Wyatt Hubert is outstanding player. I expect him to have some Big 12 honors. But we got to have more from the rest of the guys, uh, you know, coming up. We got to make it happen because that is going to be, in my opinion, is the key to the game is getting after their quarterback. I agree. You can't let him settle in. You can't let him. You know, he's got a nice running back out of Wichita right there at his side. You can't let him just settle into their groove because if you do, That's you're right. going to you're gonna be outscored because this K-State team, as of late, isn't able to outscore people. They've got to mix right. in defense and special teams to get it done. And that brings us to the other side of the ball. K-State is struggling to run the ball. And here we go with Iowa State with a three-man front and a pretty darn good defense against the run. Marcus Watts just said he wouldn't mind seeing them get back to some zone blocking to maybe get into a better comfort level for this offensive line. As the offensive lineman of the group, what do you think? I agree with him 100%. I've said it from day one. Get back to running some basic stuff and just go downhill or just run zone schemes. Don't try to get – I mean, we, we've done some fancy things, and it's worked. But it hasn't worked lately. It's, I mean, you get game film, 
teams can figure it out. I mean, those coaches get paid too. So you got to go back to some basic stuff and just be able to run the football. And if you're not going to want to run the football, then just throw it every down. You know, one or the other, but we can't, you know, just pedal around and just, okay, well, we're going to run it just because we're supposed to run it. You know, you got to be productive and we just haven't been productive and it's disheartening. So get back to just running, you know, some outside zone, inside zone, running some ISOs, spread them out. But still run the football. Right. And you're allowed to do that. It's like we've lost the imagination and what we can do the last five games. Uh, it's really frustrating to watch. And they've had to rely on, well, a lot of throwing, which isn't what they want to do. But it turns out they're fairly decent at it when they kind of focus in on it. I wouldn't mind seeing them. You know, I'm a run first guy typically, but they've yeah. gotten a little bit predictable on that side of the ball uh, in terms of running the ball and how they go about it. And I wouldn't mind him seeing open it up a little in this game just to see what happens. Uh, normally, I think you got you to gotta play to the fourth quarter, try to wear him down. But, man, Iowa State's good. This is the best team K-State's played since Oklahoma. And there's not, it's not even close in my book. No, yeah, they're very, very good. Uh, we're going to have to be in our We're going to have to play a really good football game. We're going to have to clean up those mistakes that we've been making, those mind-numbing penalties, yep. pre-snap penalties, uh, post-snap penalties. I mean, those are the ones that just are absolutely mind-numbing. We've got to clean that stuff up to be able to make this game work. Uh, but if we do... We'll be right there at the end. That's the whole thing. Where if we play the way that we're capable of playing, we're going to be right there. Well, this Kansas State team's at seven and four, and I got to tell you, seven and four, I would take it. You know, if they end up seven and five, it'll stink if they lose, particularly if they lose another close game. But man, when you look back over the course of the season when this year started, you, you were thinking, can they get six? Will they be yep. at five and not be bowl eligible? They were at five last year with Coach Snyder. Seven's been pretty good, and let's get greedy and go get number eight. Uh, absolutely. I'll be disappointed if we don't win, but I won't be disappointed on the season. That That's the difference. I'll be disappointed because I think this is a game we can win against a really good football team, but I won't be disappointed with the progress and where we're at Yeah, because it, we're ahead of schedule. The guys have bought in one million percent which that's all you can ask as a coach when you get your first year in a, a new program following a legend for to get the, the kids to buy in the way that they have. I mean, it's almost unheard of to be uh, quite frankly. And I, I like where we're at, but I want this win. Uh, number one, it gets us a better bowl game. Number one, number two, it builds confidence going into the bowl game, but confidence going into the next season as well. You know, it's just, it's, it's a huge football game. And I know a lot of people may not think that it is, but this is a really big football game for the program. It is. It is because Iowa State recruits this area quite a bit now. They've got a little momentum on the field. They've got a little belief that their program's heading in a, a good direction. I feel like Chris Kleiman is in a position here to kind of halt that. I mean, Iowa State was thinking 9-10 wins this season. If they end the regular season at 7 and lose to Kansas State, I, to quote Austin Powers, I think someone just stole Iowa State's mojo. And I oh, feel yeah. like uh, Kansas State's in a really good position in terms of talking points out on the recruiting trail. I don't know. It's going to be intriguing. It really is. 
Yeah, it's going to be a good game. Uh, but you're 100 percent right. If we, they had big expectations, and this has not played out. And if we beat them again. Uh, I know we didn't beat them last year, but if we beat them again in a year that they feel like that they're better than we are, it, I mean, it's huge for us. And their fan base just has to be soured. Everything about the program just has to be soured. It's like, what is going on? We're better than Kansas State, but we can't beat them. That's right. I like it. I, I, I'm excited. That's right. It's Brian Hanley. He and I will convene once again late at night. These 6 o'clock <laughs> games don't work for us, man, uh, for the PowerCap postgame podcast. But it will be available late night Saturday, early on Sunday for you to listen to. And as we break down what we hope will be a Kansas State victory, but either way, We'll show up for the party and and discuss what just happened at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Thank you, buddy. Have a good Thanksgiving as we record this, and uh, we will catch up to you on Saturday. All right. And let's wrap up this podcast by going to Vegas and talking to our good friend Kelly Stewart about the gambling angle for this weekend's game. I expected, Kelly, that Iowa State would be favored in this game. I was a little caught off guard by it opening, what, at 5? Uh, it opened three here okay. on Sunday, and that is exactly what I made. That the makes game. better now, sense. I also said we'd be a three-point favorite at Texas Tech, so I was surprised when it opened to pick them. I bet us last week it closed two and a half. So the market is not high on Kansas State. No. That's what you need to know from a gambling perspective. And they really aren't ever during um, the Bill Snyder era. They started to catch on like, hey, Bill Snyder is an underdog. Chris Kleiman has also done well in that role. So hopefully they can keep it rolling again this week. Well, these two teams typically play very close games. Kansas State has almost always come out out on top of those. Last year, it didn't. Last year, Iowa State rallied up in Ames to get their first win in 11 seasons against K-State, but these games are bloodbaths. They just really get after each other, and K-State's had a knack for winning close ones. I expect this one to be fairly close, but do you think um, this is a game K-State will win? So, like, as I mentioned, K-State has superseded expectations all year long. They've covered eight games out of their 11, which is by all means, from a gambling perspective, amazing, right? We we want to find those teams that we can back each and every week that we trust with our hard-earned money. Um, as you mentioned, K-State last year just completely laid an egg in Ames. It was, it's always a hard-fought game, but K-State always seems to find a way to win, and last year was not it. Iowa State has covered four of their last five versus the Wildcats. And that's what scares me. Iowa state, while they are down and while I do enjoy Matt Campbell and think he's doing a pretty good job there, this team is scrappy. And I need to know from your perspective, what's the motivation here for Kansas state, right? So I keep joking um, with everybody on all these different podcasts. We're going to the cheese at bowl. If we're going to the cheese at bowl, does it matter if we beat Iowa state? The answer is no. If it was to get us to a better bowl game, which is a possibility, I think K-State will have more motivation. I think being an underdog at home tells you a lot, and it's not a good thing. Uh, The bookmakers and the market agree with Iowa State, but again, they were wrong last weekend on Texas Tech. The problem I have with backing the Wildcats here, now if it does get to six, I would consider it. I don't think it will is that they tend this year, they've tend to beat themselves. They almost beat themselves in the second half of that Oklahoma game. They beat themselves against Oklahoma state. They beat themselves against Baylor. They almost beat themselves last week against Texas tech. Yeah. Um, I, I, I thought the young blood penalty was a little 
a little much. I didn't think that he did any. Uh, we could go back and forth on. I know some people were upset by it. It did hurt us, and uh, he owned responsibility for it. And I do believe that he won't make those same mistakes again. But those kind of things have been detrimental to Kansas State all season long. Well, if you look at Iowa State, they play a lot of teams close. They played Kansas fairly close. They played Northern Iowa close. Now, maybe the the result of the game didn't come out that way. They opened it up at the end. but uh, And they rally in the fourth quarter quite often. They're a very strong finishing team. I Except think this... for against teams like Texas State, absolutely laid an egg there in the fourth quarter. I think they step up to their level of competition, and that's the question. Yeah. is: does, Do the Cyclones think that K-State is a step up in a level of competition? Maybe, maybe not. I think I think the role is if I'm one of the coaches, is I portray, hey, you guys, this is the first time besides Oklahoma, you guys have been home underdogs all season. Right. And I think that's the sales pitch they will use. This is the best team you've played since Oklahoma, and that includes Texas. And they are this is a really good team. They're gonna come in and they're they're gonna knock your lights out if you're not ready. I think Iowa State will win this game. I'll get to my prediction just in a little bit, but I think Iowa State wins this game, and I would take Iowa State on, on three. I, I think uh, they I, and will that's win this where, game. And that's where I made the game. I said 24-21. I told my aunt last week that I thought we'd be a three-point favorite in – in uh, Lubbock, and I was wrong. So don't don't hold me to you know right. the end all be all here. But I do think it's going to come down to a close game. And if K State doesn't beat themselves, I do believe they can win it. That the question is is are they going to be disciplined enough for this last home game? Do they have enough motivation? And hopefully well, have the ability to go to a better bowl game. Well, inside that locker room, they know winning could change their bowl context because that would get them to uh, eight wins. You wouldn't think that Cheese at Bowl would be an eight-win team. That's not normally the case. And I think they probably do play their way into the Liberty Bowl with a win. And uh, a lot of other things become uh, possibilities. The Camping World Bowl has expressed interest. I think they'll pick Texas at the end of the day, or Oklahoma State if Texas loses. Uh, the Texas Bowl has expressed interest. But I think it's really when you're in the Liberty, lose, you're in the cheese. it Neither one of them gets you up in a, you know, you, you're not having a party over either one, but you're bowl eligible and you're going to a game, and that's what counts. I, I think that's a achievement for this team where they picked up after Bill Snyder. Yeah, so my co-host, John Murray, is the executive director at the Westgate, and we spoke about this yesterday, <clears throat> and where my expectation level as a K-State fan and now my expectation level as a sports better is completely different. Remember, everyone, K-State was projected to win five games this year, five and a half yeah. at some books, not even be bowl eligible, not even get to go to a bowl game. They definitely weren't expected to pull off some of the upsets that they did. They were able to do so. That's great. I think we need to kind of be a little bit more understanding. Of course, we're not as bad as Texas fans, <laughs> but <laughs> our expectation levels have been set since the 90s with Bill Snyder. Myself needs to wrangle that in every once in a while. So if this team only ends up seven and five on the season, that is a win. That is an accomplishment. That means that you beat the Vegas line by a game and a half, and that shouldn't happen that often, no. truth be told. So just know that if they don't beat Iowa State, I'll be kind of happy because then I'll get to go to the cheese at Bowl, which is what I've been manifesting <laughs> so that I can actually go to the bowl game. But I do understand the Liberty Bowl or the Texas Bowl, or like as you even mentioned, the Camping World Bowl, would, would be – nicer for the team and i do think for recruiting purposes and all of that 
It would be. Well, the Big 12 championship set, so really a lot of the games this week seem kind of meaningless. Uh, we have Tech and Texas on Friday. Thoughts on that game? You know, I loved Texas Tech early on in the week. I said 10 points. Give me a break. Who's laying 10 points here with the Texas Longhorns? This is a team that historically did okay as an underdog, and they did a couple of – they did all right this year as an underdog as well, particularly at Iowa State against Oklahoma. This is not a team you're wanting to lay 10 points with. I'm sorry. I understand that they're mad. I understand that they're angry, but I lean towards Tech here. My co-host on um, one of the Wager Talk shows, he gave out his best battle of the Longhorns, and I said, God, I hate being head-to-head with you. So I actually ended up giving out Oklahoma State instead, but I really do like Tech here a lot. I'm I'm calling Tech beats Texas. Right. I could easily see that. What does Texas have to play for? We're talking about motivation here. No, the problem is is that they they are every year Big 12 championship game, national championship or bust. I mean, there's people already calling for Tom, Tom Herman to be fired. Right. right. Uh make sure you write that down in pencil though. I'm not that committed to it. Uh, <laughs> West Virginia and TCU. TCU gets bowl eligible by beating the Mountaineers. I have a weird feeling about this one. Yeah, TCU's a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Come on, if they don't beat the Mountaineers. This Mountaineers team, they got got the best of K-State. That was frustrating, to say the least, um, to lose as a double-digit home favorite. And that is why I think K-State might come out and be able to beat Iowa State because of that frustration. But TCU's going to win this game. Do I think that they're going to cover by 14 points. I want no part of it. I think they'll get to be able to go to a bowl game, and that'll be nice for Gary Patterson. Baylor at Kansas. So this is an interesting spot here because KU has played certain teams really tough all year, and the game that they expected KU to play tough was against us, and sure enough, K-State was pissed off all of the comments and all of the BS all week long. It's interesting. Baylor, I had Baylor last week against Texas. Like I said, nobody overlooks Nobody overlooks Texas, uh, but now maybe it's a delayed overlook. Baylor's got Oklahoma on deck, and this is a team that they really want to beat. All you got to do is get past KU, who covered against Iowa State, who got the backdoor cover against Oklahoma State, who beat Texas Tech on that crazy um, field goal, who took Texas to the wire in Austin. This is a, a really interesting KU team. I'm not rushing to take the 14 points yet, but just know the fact that it hasn't moved should tell you all you need to know. I mean, 75% of the tickets are rolling in on Baylor and this one hasn't moved in any direction. That means the bookmakers are kind of showing their position that says, Hey, you can lay two touchdowns with Baylor all day. Um, And that should be kind of a warning sign for sports bettors out there. I come to this. Does Baylor score more than 24 points? Because I don't think Kansas breaks double digits. I think they'll really struggle against that Baylor defense. Yeah. I mean, I've got I've got twenty eight seventeen as the final. Yeah, I think. But yeah, I think that's you're a good right. Number. Though, do I think KU could even score seventeen? That, yeah. that would be uh, that'd be iffy. KU can air it out. I'll give them that much, and they have shown that they can do that at times. But, ooh. Okay, the big one Saturday night, Stillwater, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State, and I got to say, Oklahoma opened a bigger favorite than I thought they would. Absolutely did, and and of course they did. And the the crazy thing is, is Oklahoma has just been burning money for their backers all year long. 
So are you really wanting to rush and lay these points with Oklahoma, especially when they have Baylor on deck? This is a way bigger game for Oklahoma State than it is for Baylor. I mean, Oklahoma State's won 14 of the last 15, but Oklahoma State has been in a dogfight against this team almost each and every year. So that's something to consider. The fact that it's in Stillwater, this this line is just downright disrespectful, in my opinion. I, I like the Cowboys. Okay, very good. Thank you, Kelly. Appreciate it. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving in uh, Las Vegas. I'm sure you can find some place to eat in Las Vegas. <laughs> I'm actually brining the turkey as we speak. Beautiful. There, there's going to be a nice Friendsgiving at my place. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Thanks, it's Senior Day Saturday night at Bill Snyder Family Stadium as Kansas State concludes Coach Chris Kleiman's first regular season by clashing with Iowa State in the 2019 edition of Farmageddon. A bowl awaits both teams, but only one team will finish this game with eight regular season victories. We've heard from the Go Powercat staff as well as our GPC analysts and Alex Halstead from the Iowa State 24-7 Sports Network site. K-State seeks an unexpected eight-win regular season. If it can upset an Iowa State team, that was expected to win at least eight games this season. Subscribers to GoPowerCat.com can read my five keys to victory analysis Friday at GPC. But in a minute, I will give you my prediction for this game. As we wrap up this week's PowerCat pregame podcast, we thank our sponsor, Robbins Motor Company. And I remind you that a subscription to GoPowerCat.com now comes with a free, no-ads subscription to CBS's all-access streaming service. It adds more than $100 of value when you sign up for our award-winning coverage of K-State sports at GoPowerCat. Don't miss out because these are great times to be a K-State fan. And make sure you listen to the PowerCat postgame podcast after Saturday night's game. I will be joined by Brian Henley as we wrap up the contest between the Cyclones and Wildcats. And now it's time for my game prediction and unless the Wildcats rise up and offer a performance like they did against Oklahoma this will be a defeat Iowa State 31 Kansas State 24 I am Go Powercat publisher Tim Fitzgerald it's the Wildcats versus the Cyclones Saturday at 6 p.m. at Bill Snyder Family Stadium You've been listening to the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. PowerCat podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.